It's finally here. Bigger, faster, stronger. It's time to put on the pads. Faster, quicker, more agile. And make some noise. You got it. Just leveled. Wow. Your defending AFC South champion, Houston Texans, are back for training camp. 15-yard touchdown run for Deshaun Watson. Welcome to Texans Training Camp Live. Your sideline pass to everything that's going on with your Houston Texans. Texans Training Camp Live is presented by Academy Sports and Outdoors. And by Geico and Papa John's Houston. Now, let's go down to the Houston Methodist Training Center. Here are your hosts, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris. Ready to rock. Day 7 of Texans Training Camp live here at the Houston Methodist Training Center. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you as fans will be here for the first time today at training camp. So that's pretty cool. We're a week in. And the fans will be here, and you'll be hearing them as the show progresses. When they open the gates, they'll flock in, and they'll all be looking for those shady seats. That's what they've got now, <laughs> the shady seats here yeah. at camp. So uh, that's a nice help for them. But that's only for, I don't know, a few thousand maybe, two, three. I don't know. They, they get about four or five in here. They jam them in here, four or five thousand, and I think maybe seating for Two or three, I can't really tell. Well, I don't know those numbers. The tents, or I guess you call it tents, not really a canopy. Tent. Canopy. There you go. Yeah. The canopy runs basically from end of the end zone to end of the end zone. Yeah. It runs, but fans will stand all in that north end zone area back over there. Great place to be. It's a great place because you get a great end zone view, and they'll be. I don't know. That that's a pretty. It's deep, but it's not that deep. People will be lined up all back there. But I also see an Arctic cool zone down over there. So I'm curious to walk down there and see what that's all about. That's for the fans? We're going to allow so. the fans to actually cool themselves off in an Arctic cool zone? Well, I, I guess. Maybe it's just for Arctic employees, but I think it's I doubt it. Everybody. I doubt no. it. But but that's where you, that's kind of where you want to be back over there because that's where O-line, D-line does pass rush drills. Yeah, that's cool stuff. I mean, I if love you're a football that. nerd you like you. Me. I mean, that, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But a I, lot, mean, I mean, the fans, these fans over here, they get a great glimpse of all the 11 on 11. They get all the wide receiver DBs, you know, great catches. That's when I'm watching the, the O-line, D-line do pass rush drills, and I hear this, like, all right, DeAndre yep. made a one-handed catch, or Deshaun completed one to Will. I mean, yeah. it, that's, that's the kind of day it will be today. Deep Still Thunder, I already heard them coming over, uh, over the, uh, as we were walking over the bridge, coming over here. So everybody fired up. And that was one of the things I mentioned last night, Mark, is we've been talking about this team. We've been watching this team at training camp all the way through the offseason, too. We have been watching this team. We've seen it. So there's a level of excitement that we have about it because we've, we've been watching it. Yep. So we get to sort of unveil that to the world yeah. today. Like, hey, all the excitement that we have now gets validated in front of you all today. So yeah. I mentioned that last night in the show, like how excited I am for the fans to come out and see this for the it's first It's almost like time. we've been at the Greenbrier for a week in that yeah. you've had more media here than you did there. Right, right. Uh, we're obviously giving you a sizzle reel every day, but we're not exactly showing you 11 on 11. Here's what they're running on first down, yeah. and uh, they don't want to reveal that stuff to the world and put that all on video. Right. We're showing you a lot of catches, a lot of plays, but it's not the same thing as being here. It's more, certainly not the same thing as one week from tonight when the team takes on the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. It'll be live on Sports Radio 610, of course, the Bull 100.3 FM, ABC 13. You can stream it on the app. All the games in the season you can stream on the Texans app, so go get it. Now let's get some hot reads in here. <laughs> 
We'll do biggest surprises from camp in just a moment. By the way, Jeff Van Gundy at 920 today. John McClain will join us at 830. We've got a lot of other things happening. Greg Mance with DP Sidhu. It's really interesting because Mance is such a great interview, and he's a leader on this team. Even though he's not really projected to be a starter, he starts often enough, Mm -hmm. and you want him on your squad. Anyway, let's get to this now because J.J. Watt certainly is out here making some noise. Had 16 sacks last year. Busy offseason for him, but he's 30 years old. He regulates his body differently than maybe when he first got here in 2011. Let's hear from J.J. We are managing. I take off. I took the off day after the first two days. I take off day basically every third day is kind of how we're trying to plan it. Um, it'll get mixed up here and there, but just, I mean, just, just when I'm practicing, I want to practice. That's basically what we've talked about. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be on a rep count during a practice, so instead of that I'll take a practice off and I'll go run or I'll do rehab or whatever they want me to do so um but when I I mean I love to play football I love so if I'm on the field I want to be on the field I I think that was a great point by him you know you don't want to be sitting there on the sideline or standing on the sideline watching the action you want to be part of the action and that's better when you're out practice to do it that way than any kind of pitch count at practice then if you have a day off, you're off. Right. You're off, and he'll do other stuff. Yeah, and you're you're untouchable. It's not like, hey, we're doing this drill. Hey, hey, JJ, get in there. Because we've seen that before. I remember right. 2015 on Hard Knocks. There's a great scene down on the goal line. I remember standing right there, and O'Brien's like, I want Watt in there. And then JJ knifes through and makes a hit right on the yeah. goal line. And it was great. And that's one of those things that you're tempted by when he's standing over there. Because as an offense, you want to face the best, and he makes it very difficult. I've heard the words annoying from some of the <laughs> offensive players. Yeah. In a I good like that way. word. In no, a good that, way. that's what you want him to be at. Yeah, here. because you've got to learn how to deal with it. Because Jarrell Casey's annoying. Uh-huh. You know, Darius Leonard's annoying. I mean, you got to learn how to deal with annoying in this league. So, from that perspective, I think it's great. And when when he said it, I remembered back. I, I thought back to last year at the Greenbrier, and there were times at the Greenbrier where he would be in full uniform, and then he would do a few things, and then you wouldn't see him, and it was kind of like, hmm, I wasn't really sure. It was like, okay, is he on a pitch count or a play count today? I wasn't yeah. sure. So I sensed when he was saying that, he was referring back to last year. And that was... I saw some this year, though, even in one of the practices where he's standing on the side when the, one, the supposed ones are out right. there. And I think he just wants to be in there. Yeah, so I think from, from his perspective, he's like, look, if I'm there, I'm in. Full mm-hmm. bore, I'm in. Give me the reps I need there. And then that third day when I'm, yeah. when I'm off, so to speak, you know, out of practice... You know you can't even put him in, which, yeah. I, which I love. I mean, I, I think that's probably the, the best way to go about it because there's clarity that day for, all right, Rack, Anthony, you don't have Watt today, no Watt today, figure it out, yeah. go. And let the other guys have those reps. Absolutely. Yeah, and that Absolutely. really helps the team as a whole. All right, Watson has been helping the team, played the whole season last year, had 4,000 passing yards plus, 500 rushing yards plus, 25 touchdowns, first quarterback in NFL history to do those things combined and he's got company as far as the great young quarterbacks go, the great-looking young studs in this league. Pat Mahomes, one of them certainly in the team, will meet up with Kansas City in mid-October at Arrowhead Stadium. Watson was asked a bunch of things yesterday about Aaron Rodgers because we're going to see him next yep. week and Mahomes and, and how they get along, and he had this to say. Um, you know, I don't really focus on what you know Mahomes did last year. Everyone see it. Um, he had a hell of, heck of a season. Uh-huh. You know, he, he did his thing, and, you know, we talked at the Pro Bowl. And, yeah, we support each other. We motivate each other. We talk to each other on social media. We talk about different vacation spots. Uh, you know, he hit me up about Puerto Rico. I hit him up about where he went 
you know, to the Bahamas or something like that. So, you know, we still communicate, um, you know, about football, not about football. So we all boys and we support each other. Um, and, and for sure, you know, our class of 2017, you know, just two years in, all three of us in the Pro Bowl. So we must be doing something right. I know. I heard you talking about this last night, Johnny, that when you look at those three guys and we thought, well, maybe Trubisky is not going to work out so well compared yeah. to these other two guys. But look, the Bears were in the playoffs sure. last year. He looks pretty good. And you could say they should have drafted one of the other two guys, but he's working out for them so far. So give them credit. It's it's happening for Chicago. It's happening for all three of these guys early on. They got to keep it going. A couple of things about Watson. We heard Vrabel's cut on him yesterday yeah. and how he inspired Vrabel when he was 21 years old, giving his game check to the cafeteria workers here at NRG Stadium. And then you hear what Watson had to say about his communication with Mahomes. You know, Watson is almost impossible not to like. People around the league really like him. The opponents have such respect for him. Yeah, they want to beat him, but they have respect for him. He's not one of these guys. Should I say it? He's not Ben Roethlisberger. He's not one of these guys. He's extremely likable. People remember the Dabo Sweeney, Michael Jordan thing. Look, he's got a long way to go to get to that, right? right? But to me, is he Jordan or is he Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson had a baby? And that's this guy because he plays the game with such joy, the right. big smile, uh, not, you know, not in the huddle necessarily. Right, right. But you know what I'm saying here. The, the personality, the charisma, the execution, it's all there early on. It's very early in his career. He's got a long way to go, but uh, let's enjoy the ride together. Yeah, that's a great point to enjoy the ride. Look, there are a lot of things that we all you know, criticize. I mean, we've got to fill hours of time on the radio. We've got to fill inches of column in the newspapers mm-hmm. and uh, online, all that kind of stuff. So there got to be things that we're going to talk about. And, and you can't always write the most glowing things about every single player. But when you have a guy like Deshaun, yeah, you can, you can nitpick and you can look at you know, gameplay. And those are things that I know I sit in the office do and I look at, okay, what can, what can he do to get better? In my opinion, this, you know, this can, can get better. This can get better. But overall, when you think about the player he is and the respect he has around the league, it's pretty amazing. Be down in the field every single game and see the players come up to him. I'll never forget Seattle. Seattle, It was unbelievable. They were standing in line in Seattle to shake his hand and to say, you're the next dude in this league. Like, I mean, I'll never – I mean, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, they were all standing in line, like, waiting to talk to him. It's just – it's unbelievable the respect that he garners – throughout this league so they've let the fans in and it's like the running of the bulls it's like altamont no it's not all right that's a very dated reference but some of you got it i think i got it's really kind of in a probes really considering what happened there but it is uh you know it's general admission at a who concert okay it is look at it get a video of this they are running for the bleachers they are running get that top spot people are running over to get the best autograph spots yeah that's pretty cool, actually. No, that's it. They're looking for that corner where the players come in here at the Houston Methodist Training Center, and you've seen it all on video, and you've been here maybe. So they're all looking for that spot where they could possibly – it's the best spot to get an autograph, the most likely spot, we should say. Yeah. All right, a couple of things here. Biggest surprises from camp, and I think we can go a long way on this. Uh, we're going to have Greg Mance on next segment, John McClain at 830. The uh, signing of Zach Greinke for the Astros was a big surprise from camp. Because I think that a couple of players, at the very least, reacted. I think Watch just tweeted out Astros because yeah. that was huge for them. Yes, and congratulations yeah. to that organization for getting Granky. I mean, that was a really great coup for them at the trade deadline uh, to strengthen the starting rotation. Baseball, you know, it's I'm, I don't want to go George Carlin on you here, another dated reference, but it's so different because, you know, your team, 
the guy you throw that night is your team, basically. I know yeah. your offense is your offense, but, man, and, and it's all affected by who they throw. It's like you have a different quarterback every night, if you will. Yeah. That's how that sport seems, you know, and I know it's, it's very much not apples to apples, but it's interesting to me how that kind of signing can change things. Never mind the rest of the regular season. It's in the playoffs because, you know, you get three-man rotation or whatever yeah. you're going to have, uh, you know, three and a half, and this team has pieced it together in a variety of ways they did in their World Series march. So that's obviously huge for them if he could do it after September. Well, I think one of the most amazing things about baseball, and I remember it was when I was coaching baseball, we went down and played this team, and, I mean, they were – it was just not a great team. But they had a lefty, and he was phenomenal. And I remember thinking, this is the only sport where one could beat nine. Yeah. In it, basketball, five's not going to beat four. Yeah. In football, ten's not going to be 11. Right. You know, in soccer, you get a guy that goes off for a red card, ten's not going to be 11 more than likely in that particular match. Although it's happened. But in baseball, one can beat nine. And yeah. that's what makes baseball very interesting because you can put Granke in the bump and he can go eight innings and give up two hits and you can scratch together one run through a bunt single, a steal, a sack fly. I mean, you could, you know, somehow you can get that done and get a run and win a game one nothing because one can beat nine. That's where, that's where, to me, football, that's where all the sports are different and why I love all the different sports yeah. because in football, 11 people better be working on the same page or you're toast. You're yeah. done. But one guy can go – everybody – you know, eight guys out in the field could be having a horrible day. But that guy in the bump can be awesome, and you got a shot. All right, so we went a little long with this one, but we'll get to our biggest surprises in camp. i got a couple of ones involving the offense. We'll do that next, and then Greg Mance, then John McClain. It's all coming up on Texans Training Camp Live. On Texans Training Camp Live. On Tex- it's like Netflix, but free. Go to HoustonTexans.com and click listen for every episode of our Texans radio shows. Paying that Netflix bill like it's air, okay? I got to have it. I got to have my Xfinity. I got to have, and I get the Netflix through the Xfinity platform. It's really cool. And Amazon. So I don't have to switch around. It's really awesome. Anyway, uh, was that like a little commercial? Because we'll get to Deepy's thing in just a moment here, and she's presented by Xfinity. But Johnny, Jeez. biggest surprises. Give me. We'll go con- semi rapid fire here. You get two and a half sentences. No, give me a quick surprise. I'm gonna write into my next contract <laughs> that I get more than two sentences. Nope. On anything. Nope. Uh, Roger Johnson, offensive tackle. You you want surprises? That's a that's Roger a Johnson. A surprise. I he's think get, he's getting he some has, air time. He has come leaps and bounds. Yep. From where he was last year. Now I'm not proclaiming him to be the next starter at right tackle or left tackle or whatever it is. But Roderick was highly decorated at Florida State, and you could just tell that his game wasn't quite ready. He got here last year. He got here later in the year, uh, or on into the season, I should say. And there were times it just, oh, man, I don't, I don't see it. I'm not seeing it. This right. year I watch different guy, okay. completely different guy, and he maybe strikes me as Kendall Lamb last year. You know, Kendall – Got off the beaten path, but Kendall had been here, so really kind of clicked for Kendall last year. Pulled the Got game locked up. in the offseason, and then Kendall became a starter. I don't, I don't know if Rod becomes a starter because I think there are a lot of candidates for spots in the offensive line, but, right. man, I'm telling you, he is. I told him the other day, I even told him the other day, walking off the field, I said, I don't know what happens with you. I don't know if you start, I don't know if you do this. I said, but you've come a long way, my man. I can, right. The difference in you from 18 to 19 is completely different. Very so there cool. There you go. I'm going to give you a surprise that the offense is able to sometimes and maybe more often than you would think in a training camp setting 
torch the defense. <laughs> I mean, for I lack have, of a better term, I have yeah. seen. Well, they're like, all right, you got three minutes on the clock. We're down five. What are you going to do? And Watson, bang, bang, touchdown. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, QT, deep cross, Fuller, touchdown. Something like that. Yeah. I've seen that a few times. And, you know, sometimes they get stopped. Sometimes they get picked. I mean, it's not always perfect. And I think at this, the reason why I bring this up is that at this time of year, very often the defense is way ahead of the offense, right? Typically, yes. Typically because they're destroying something, the offense is creating something, and it's harder to create than to destroy. We all know this. We've been over this many times from the beginning of this franchise's history. But I'm seeing Watson, you know, even when things break down, this this just in, even when things break down, he finds a way to make plays, and it happens out here at training camp, too. We've seen it in games. So it's frustrating for the defense to have to go against him because the unpredictability of his play does pay dividends for this offense. Yeah. I'll give you a, I'll give you one. Okay. It was a specific instance, but it actually happened a few times yesterday. They were working 11-on-11 drills, ones-on-ones, and I saw Deshaun take a snap from shotgun and he stood there in the pocket right and i was convinced there's a whistle like somebody I'm, blew it dead. i'm i'm He's looking straight up i'm seeing everybody like run their routes and play still going and he's standing there in the pocket like standing yeah, yeah. statuesque kenny stabler just standing yeah and i'm like plays i love that dead right like wait a second he's standing and then throws the ball across the middle aaron colvin made a nice play on it to break it up but that hasn't happened much. He got in a pocket, and the pocket was so clean. So clean. The outside rushers had gone high, so they were kind of beyond him, and the tackles just took him out, and the guards were just handling business inside. And he's standing there just, what am I going to do? I love it. I, it was that was, To know that your pass protection could get to that level where he could feel that comfortable was pretty good. And I, I wrote down move. yesterday, I wrote down yesterday, Mark, a couple times, probably two, three times, great pass pro. Yeah. Not all the time, but I wrote it down a few times. I'm like, boy, that can be consistent to where he can stand back there like a statue. Right. That's a, that's a surprise. Well, that's my next surprise, really, is that the amount of practice time with the ones the rookies are getting mm-hmm. on the O-line. Because, I, you know, I always think, well, what's, what's the difference sometimes? You know, if you're learning the schematics of everything, twos, ones, whatever, fine. But they want – training camp is ones against the ones. Regular season practice right. is ones against the scout team on offense and defense. You're facing a scout team all the time, right? This time of year, you want iron sharpening iron. So you're putting those rookies up against this front seven to give them the toughest test possible with the DJ readers of the world. Blackson has been making plays. You've written about him. Obviously, Watt up front and Merciless and everybody else. So they're getting the baptism under fire here, and they're responding. And that's nice to see. Yeah, very so nice. I think that... You know, it's not a shock. It's a bit of a nice surprise because you thought, well, they're rookies. Maybe, look, what did he do with Watson himself? He put him on the third team and, and forced him to work his way up. Yep. He's putting these guys up there because, number one, they have ability. Number two, he's got to get them going. Yeah. They, they, they have to green light this thing. they got to expedite this process and get these guys ready for New Orleans. All right, let's get ready for this. We'll, we'll continue with the surprises because I know we have many more, and the general joins us at 830 but let's do this now. Greg Mance plays center, guard on both sides. Been around the block for a while now. Real valuable member of this O-line. And he's a fun guy to hear from. D.P. Sidhu, the Deep Slant interview presented by Xfinity. She catches up with Greg. 
The Deep Slant one-on-one presented by Xfinity. Joining us today, Greg Mance. And Greg, first things first, I just realized that you do a mean Mario impression, particularly when Mario's dying in the video game. Yeah. Is this something that you've been practicing? No. Um, you know, I can't wait to see the side-by-side. Um, I guess all those years of Nintendo paid off. <laughs> um, Super Nintendo, of course, but, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see it. Um, normally, I try to avoid, you know, all that media stuff, but I might have to take a look at this one. Yeah, we're referring to the What's in the Box yeah. uh, edition that just came out. Uh, you got tricked into touching a few things, and I, I forget what it was that made you scream. It was like a pineapple or something. Pineapple. It was, you know, pineapple. a little prickly. It's very scary. A little prickly. All right, Greg, you're out here, full day of pads. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of talk about the offensive line and the rookies that are out there. How do you think that they've done your teammates, Titus Howard, mm-hmm. Max Sharping, those guys, now that the, the full pads are back? You know, I think the whole group, you know, Zach Fulton, Matt Khalil, you know, uh, Julian Davenport, Central Henderson, you know, the whole, the whole group, I mean, there's a whole bunch of guys, and we're all just trying to get better every day. Um, I think everyone has a great mentality. Uh, Kelamente, senior, I forgot him. Rank, you know, brother Rod. Like I'm just making sure I name all of them, um, all the guys. But uh, you know, I think I think it's sort of like a day by day process, and we're excited to work. You guys are such a close knit group. Mm-hmm. You have the O line dinners. We always talk about how big the O line has mm-hmm. been looking this year. You guys are some big dudes out there, big but fast. Right. So the O line dinners, uh, who eats the most? Gosh, you know, I mean, there have been plenty of people over the years who've eaten a lot. Um, I'm excited to see some of these rookies this year. Um, you know, we have some we have some great eaters, but now we're smart eaters. You know, we care about our nutrition. Lad, if you're watching this, we work on our food. Very you smart. Know, we eat the right way. Um, you know, and we're just trying to we're trying to enjoy ourselves, but at the same time, you know, keep the bodies right. I heard that Deshaun Watson is sometimes a guest at these dinners. Right. You guys incorporate him and and and. How does that work? Do you just want him to be a part of the group? Did he ask to be part of the group? You working on chemistry? Well, I mean, I feel like quarterbacks, you know, tight ends and running backs are also always welcome. Wide receivers have made appearances. <laughs> um, we like to view it as an offensive dinner. You know, I think the old line are just always there because we're just that close of a group. And the quarterbacks were there every single time last year, you know, all of them. So um, everyone sort of, you know, comes, has fun, camaraderie. Um, you know, we sort of leave the phones away so you get to know your teammates a little better. It's a lot of fun. Speaking of Deshaun, how has that chemistry been? He's talked about how he's invited some of the other position groups over to sort of work on that. How about you, you guys with the O-line? You, very important to what he does. What's that chemistry been like? You know, I think, I mean, we're, we're very fortunate to have a great quarterback. Um, I'm fortunate to get to work with him. You know, I've seen him for three years, and just sort of how he works is awesome. Um, and it's a blessing for us because he works with us so well, you know, talks with us about everything. And uh, like I said, we're just trying to be the best we can to help him out. Saw a little bit of goal line drills today with the running backs. You guys got some good plays in there. How do you have you felt that the running backs have done so far? In, in yeah, we we got some great running backs, and we just got to do our job, open up some holes. Um, you know, they've done a lot of good things. You know, they've had some big runs, and we just have to do our part to make sure uh, we can open up some holes for them. All right, let's talk about your off season. I saw that you were training out in Arizona with a number of players. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Because it's not just the old linemen that are yeah. out there, right? No, so. Um, you know, there's a there's a group. I've been going there for a couple of years. Um, it started with some ex-teammates who used to play here um, who aren't here anymore. But, you know, I just sort of like the area. And on top of it, it's hot. You know, it's not Houston hot. but it's a different uh, hot. It's, it's, it's a different hot. But like I said, everything's just trying to get in shape and get ready for, for this. You know, this is the best part of the year. How excited are you about the preseason games, going up to Green Bay, having some joint practices against some different faces? You know, honestly, and this is going to be corny, but I'm just excited for tomorrow. You know, we have a big day tomorrow. Going to be having some fun, full pads, and I'm just looking forward to that. We are looking forward to tomorrow, too, and we're always looking forward to an interview with Greg Mance. Thank you so much, Greg. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Solid life advice from Greg Mance. Keep it in the day. One day at a time. It sounds so simple and obvious. You know, simple doesn't mean easy. Simple can mean difficult. look at you. No, you're at the goal. You're at the two-yard line. It's simple. Just, Just knock them out of the way and punch the ball, and it's simple. But... It's difficult. See? Yeah. I, it's not complicated. It's simple, but it's hard. 
See, like, there's an important distinction to make here. I love when you tap into your uh, your Yoda, See? your inner Yoda, your Difficult Vandermeer it Yoda. Is. Simple it is. Okay, Mance said it's a different heat in Arizona, but Buddy Howell last night from South Florida. All right, you, you got what I said, right? I asked him. I told him I when I interviewed him. Because he was he got here late last year when I interviewed when we interviewed him in the yeah. um, in the when May or whatever yeah. it was and it wasn't Media that days, hot yeah. yet he said yeah we'll we'll see well he agrees with me and he said what did he say about this heat it's a dry heat yeah he called he, this dry he called this dry and I told you this is dry compared to Florida now, you always believe me I, I know I believe you I, I lived there I mean it's now dry South here. Florida and North Florida are two different things right. but th- I mean it's. Uh, Boy, I mean, th- there's not a lot of difference in Jacksonville, where I lived, in Houston. It's on the same latitude line. Right. You start getting down in South Florida. That's different. Oh, it's no, all you, different you just wear it. All right, That's the general is next. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. He'll give us a couple of surprises from camp. Also, 9 o'clock position group breakdown. It's linebackers. Jeff Van Gundy, season ticket member, at 920. It's Texans Training Camp Live. It's Texans Training Camp Live. Wendy Merciless, starting outside linebacker for your Houston Texans. For the latest on your favorite team in mind, go to HoustonTexans.com. Mark Vanderbeer and John Harris joined by the general John McClain for the Houston Chronicle. I got to tell you, when I started at Sports Radio 610, I think the whole the whole squad, the whole on-air squad, it was about drinking and cigars and everything and eating yeah. burgers and whatever. Like, they'd bring in pizzas and donuts. And, by the way, Jamie Roots, president of the Texans, just brought us some donuts. Thanks a lot, Jamie. Mm-hmm. And I say that like, thanks a lot. Okay, so that begs the question real fast. Yeah. What one food kills your diet? Any Every, diet? Like, everyone's diet. No, a donut know, is like a nuclear no, bomb. No, I know, I know what donuts are. Yeah. Because when the donuts got put over there by the general, the general's like, Get that away from away me. Away from me. Mine? I don't want it. Mine that I can never turn away from on any diet? Birthday cake. Well, it's, yeah, of, of yeah, course. Birthday cake. But, but my, my point was this. Landry Locker just came in here with a fruit salad. Seth Payne eats, like, quinoa for breakfast. Uh, you know, all these guys are just too healthy these days. Well, I'm, I mean, Stern's What are you like, talking about? Uh, you weigh like 120. John, I work at it. Have okay? you ever <laughs> had to really worry about what you eat? Well, yeah. You know, Seriously. Like, woe is me, but I got to tell you. You haven't like, changed since the day no, I no, met no. you I, I lost 20 seven, years ago. I lost ago. like seven, eight pounds about a month ago because, to get ready for the season. Because I got to be light for the season. Got to be light on my feet, John. I got to be able to run fast, move around. It's a marathon, uh, Mark. Going to the bathroom during breaks. That, that's no joke either. <laughs> you know, when we were doing the Hall of Fame game, I've told this story before. That was the very first game in the history of the franchise. You know, I went down to the bathroom. There was only one bathroom in that old press box at Fawcett Stadium. And they were like, we're holding it for John Madden. And I'm like, holding what? Now, they're holding the bathroom for John Madden. I thought, this could take a while. This could take a while. This is a really big problem for me. But we got through it somehow. Anyway, General, biggest surprise, or give me a couple of surprises. Not necessarily the biggest, but a couple of surprises so far in this week's camp as we are one week in. I've said this before, and I'll say it again because he's been terrific. Jordan Akins, okay, he was a third-round pick. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have a touchdown as a rookie. He caught 28 passes, but he's taken advantage of Kahali Waring being out and now Jordan Thomas being out. They moved him around. He just seems like he's having so much fun. He's comfortable with what they're having him do, confident. And Bill O'Brien, coaches have really talked him up. Of course, he's not a, a, a nobody. O'Brien brings up A.J. Moore, the fourth safety, without anybody asking. I wrote today, 
he will be the fourth safety. I mean, I'm totally confident in the mm-hmm. top four safeties, not the top corners. I think a corner could still be – one of their corners could still be on another team. And uh, But I'm confident the first four safeties. Reed and Gibson, of course, is the starter. Jahil, Jahil Adai, who looks a lot shorter than he's listed, um, as the third one. And then Moore, who's a great special teams player. That guy, if, a coach, if all coaches love somebody – then that guy has got a chance to be special. Of course, they claimed him last year, and he was one of their best special teams players as it was. And of the offensive linemen where we're all looking, we're all talking about Mac Lill being healthy, and that's great. We're talking about Titus Howard, and that's fine. But Mac Sharping has moved back and forth between tackle and guard, and I think we're overlooking him because he was the pick behind Titus Howard. But I believe there's a good chance Sharping will start at guard. And as we've talked twice about how physical he is, you know, he's 6'6 and 327. If he and Howard were to start at guard with Khalil and Henderson, they'd have one of the biggest offensive lines in the league, not counting Nick Martin. But uh, watching Sharping out here uh, uh, make the transition to guard because he doesn't have great feet, I could see him starting there for a long time. John, you mentioned the word confident. Is there anything at the beginning of camp that you were truly confident in that seven, eight days into camp that you're going, well, maybe I'm not as confident in that anymore? Uh, let's see, John. That's a good question. It's usually the other way around. Like, I still think corner's the biggest right. concern on the team. And uh, Watson is the one that we're all watching the most and have the most confidence in. Um Maybe the tight ends, just because Waring missed so much time and yeah. Thomas is out now. I thought Thomas and and especially he would be doing what Jordan Akins is doing, and I still think there's a good chance Thomas is going to start the first game against New Orleans. And last year, I think six games they started two tight ends, and I think that would be Akins and Thomas, unless Waring bounces back from this slow start. I said on six ten this week, I think Waring will start second half of the season and people are like oh my god I don't see that and uh, I'm basing it on what I'm being told about number one the off season program and going into the training camp and yes he's falling behind and but it's just how good they think he's going to be not just as a receiver but as a blocker and when they get to Green Bay and you can see him hit people legitimately that's when we're going to know a lot more about him and Jordan Thomas is going to be a better blocker this year. You know, he's he's 277 pounds, and Waring is listed 252. He was 256 in the off-season program. I bet he's up like 260 now. I can't wait to see him take on people and see if he's that rare commodity today, a tight end who can line up anywhere plus get on the line of scrimmage and knock people's blocks off. Well, it was great to see Waring back yesterday. By the way, Jonesy, pull up that uh, B.O.B. 2 cut. O'Brien's second cut. It's on Waring. I want to hear that because you talk about some guys getting the rookie treatment, of course, and Waring his first day back. You want the rookie treatment from Bill O'Brien. Miss a week of practice. Doesn't matter. I mean, it's a legitimate injury, whatever. But you miss a week of practice, come out. Everybody wants to see how the guy is. Everybody's excited about him. And then O'Brien says this. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, you know, like these guys, like, they miss, like, all this time. And then they come out there. And what you may think is moving around well, not sure I would agree on that with you. You know what I mean? Like, 
I just would say that he needs to be out there. I mean, it's just like Charles Amenahu. You know, he's been out there, knock on wood, every day. He gets better. You know, like in Kahali's a he's a great kid, but you know they they you know they're, they're young. They don't understand hydration. They don't understand nutrition. They they everything's brand new to them. You know, and so but the most important thing is you have to be on the field. How many times did O'Brien say yesterday, talking about different players? about they're on the field, so they're going to get better. Yeah. They've been out there every day. That's important to coaches. He knows the injuries are legit, but, you know, you don't want to linger. So there's nothing like a rookie who's hurt to get on the bad side of a coach. But he can make up for it now. And he mentioned Charles Amini, who's been out there every day. And that's important, especially for young guys, not just rookies, but those guys like Jordan Akins who's been out there every day and has been tearing it up. Is a matter who a bit of a surprise? I mean, Johnny, you feel like not necessarily a surprise, but it's just great to see him doing some good things so far, so good. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, surprise is maybe not the right word, but there are times where he flashes where you go, whoa. I think for for Charles, and they call him Chuck. I hear that a lot. Nice play, Chuck. Nice play, Chuck. Like I hear that a lot. So that tells you he's been making plays in practice, but it's just and. And, John, you can speak to this because you've seen rookies for a number of years. It's the consistency. Like, you see the flashes. You see some of the really good things, but then they disappear for 8 to 10 plays. And then sometimes they disappear for our practice because, you know, they're dealing with a hammy or a quad or whatever the case might be. But I think it's the consistency for Charles Amenahu in particular. And Bill talked about him yesterday. And what's the first thing he said about him was he's out here every day. Yeah, He's out here every day. The availability of a player – and he's always talked about that. I remember him talking about Braxton Miller. Braxton was one of those guys that could never get himself healthy enough. He's like, look, when Braxton's out here a consistent period of time, he improves. Yeah. And there were high but, hopes for him. And yeah. But it just he wasn't able to be out here all the time. And other guys were out here every day and moved past him and, and beyond. John, you mentioned the secondary a second ago. What's been your overall impression of that group thus far going against Hopkins, QT, and Phil. And well, the, the safeties are not an issue. The corners are an issue. And what's been good so far is Bradley Roby's really turned it on, and that would be so important if he could come in here and play the way he played when he was the third corner in Denver, when he was really good with Chris Harris Jr. and to keep the lead. And then last year he didn't. And, that, you know, last year he had uh, Vance Joseph as the coach. Maybe things changed there. You know, they had a bad season. Maybe one of the reasons he had a bad season was system, putting him in places that he hadn't been. I don't know, but he's looked really good after here, after missing so much of the offseason program, rehabbing a hamstring injury. And then Colvin, you know, I'll, I'll, I don't know if what they're going to do in the slot. You know, there's so much pressure on him. He's got a veteran, Cal, Body Calhoun, and then the rookie – Xavier Crawford behind him. You know, maybe Lonnie Johnson Jr. who came back, that was good. Johnson's physical. He's an awesome specimen. But with only one year of college at Kentucky, he's going to be – it's going to take him a while to figure out what the heck Romeo Cornell wants. Right. And so – and then J. Joe. You know, J. Joe, he is what he is. He's 35. He's smart. He's still a good player. But they got to have – those would be their first four. Right. And it's scary when you think about the quarterbacks and the receivers. I've been talking yeah. about for, for weeks the quarterbacks of the first seven games. At some point, I'm going to talk about the receivers of yeah. the first Michael seven Thomas, games. Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, 
Let's let's go. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Oh boy, Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones, T.Y. Hilton. Oh yeah, Julio Jones. Is he any good? So yeah, you're right. Players and think he, so. Here's the other thing. Uh, and, and I get it with the Granky trade and the, the clamor around town. Like, oh, my gosh, now the Texans have to make a move. Like, wait a minute. One has nothing to do with the other. And and everyone's talking about Trent Williams and everything. But here's the thing. I really like what I'm seeing. I said the seedlings on the offensive line. And let's hope they, they grow fast enough to pay dividends. But you just highlighted a position group where if you have one injury, you get thin so quickly. So that might be somewhere where they look for some extra or help. One, might be one mediocre performance or something like yeah. that. You know, you, you've got a lot of pressure on four guys who are going to play a whole lot. One of them's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Maybe two of them going to get hurt. They need to find somebody at cornerback to come in here. And I'm not know if it's a slot. Somebody can play best. But I would look for a corner who's been a third a third receiver, a, a guy who's been a slot corner, and I'd, I wouldn't trade a one or a two, right. but we've talked about this, that they could have three compensatory picks, possibly threes for Matthews and Kareem Jackson based on what they were paid and based on how they play. So that would make your three expendable. Well, I think that there's also the possibility, guys, of somebody rising up here. You know, I'm not counting on it necessarily, but – when you look at the A.J. Boye phenomenon, something like that, because I'm talking to a guy after practice today, and I, I'm eager to talk to him, Deontay Burton, who got into the game against Philadelphia. Look, we all know they didn't make the big stop at the end, but he's played a little bit now. Maybe this camp he makes a big jump, second year officially accredited out of Kansas State, and he's a big corner. Like Maybe he could turn out to be something. You, you have to allow for that possibility. I don't know if you can necessarily count on you it. You can't count on it. You can't plan on it. They got to get another corner, and they're going to have to overpay to get one because everybody, if you're looking right now and you don't have injuries, they know why you're looking. And this secondary, you know, it did it did well until down the stretch, and it just got bombarded. And that, and in and in the first half of the playoff game, it's it's got to be better. It's got to be. I guess, safety, I think, will be. I guess the. Uh the upside, the high side is, hey, Roby works out great. J. Joe stays healthy. He's playing well still in his 14th year. And somehow Colvin uh, does everything you Johnson wanted him to do last year. The way you want. Yeah, and, and Johnson develops. There's your depth with Crawford or whoever else, maybe Burton or one of those <laughs> other guys. Four, that's four things right there. That's well, I know. all they need. Well, I know, but maybe maybe that maybe three of those come through for you, three of those things, and, and that's enough to do it. Well, but, again, it, it's it's risky. Well, going into last year's opening game, we knew that corner depth was probably not great going in. We're like, boy, fingers crossed everybody stays healthy. And what happened within the first half of that game? Kevin Johnson went down. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, all right, we got to go. You got to go get Sharice right. You got to go get Kayvon Webster. Yeah. You got to go. You got to do those things. And it's like, oh, boy, you really want that depth to, to be – at a pretty quality level, and mm-hmm. that I think they're still they're still working on on building. But look, the guys, the the, the players that the quarterbacks that they faced at the end of last year, they're going to see all early in the season. Nick Foles, Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, see those guys all at the beginning of this particular season that they saw last year. So um, the, the secondary is going to be put to the test. I think going to Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers, seeing Matt Stafford for a couple days in practice, I think that's going to do them. It's going to do a world of good, especially for the younger guys, uh, a guy like Lonnie Johnson. It's going to do wonders for them to see a guy who knows all the tricks. Hey, how does he use his eyes? You know, that's something that maybe Aaron does because he's been doing it for a while that maybe Deshaun is working on, but he's not quite there yet that you're not seeing. 
So I think it's really going to help to see them. John, tonight we got football. There's football tonight. Yeah. There's football tonight. There Denver and Atlanta. You know, I'll be watching. But, yeah, we'll watch for a little bit. But Texans play both teams. Of course, not going to see the players. Don't care about play, the game, really. I care about the Hall of Fame. And you obviously are a Hall of Fame voter. What's your overall feeling about this class? Ty Law, Ed Reed, Anthony Gonzalez, Kevin Mawai, Ty Law, Pat Bolin, Johnny Robinson, and Gil Brandt. What'd you, what was your overall feeling of that class? Three first balladers, and I'm glad we did. I'm glad Ty Law got in there. It was unusual to put in two cornerbacks, but I'm glad Bailey deserved it on the first ballot. Mm-hmm. I thought Ty Laws deserved it for quite a while now. I was really happy to see Gil Brandt get in as a contributor because Gil's made an impact on the NFL since the Cowboys hired him in 1959, and he was impactful on everything they did for 30 years before Jerry Jones fired him. And he's been working for the NFL for 30 years. So Gil, who's 85 years old, and I'm really happy for him. Sorry I'm not going to be there, but uh, I, I love this class. And, you know, the Texans, I guess I should have gone up there and done a story on the Texan getting a Texan getting in the Hall of Fame. A Texan getting into the Hall he's, of Fame. He's Ed stifling Reed. a laugh. I can see it on his Ed face. Reed. We know the general enough. He's stifling. The a, he's worst free agent move in, in, in Texans history. God, he was terrible. But when the Hall of Fame posted a picture of Ed Reed the other day, they had a big Ravens picture. They had a Texans picture. Did they really? Yes, they did. This I is, can't believe Ed didn't make a, them take that down. This is a debate I don't really want to have, but is, isn't is Osweiler maybe up there? Oh, man. I know. I, look, you had a playoff season How many games did they with win with Osweiler? I mean, they, they won nine games. And who'd they get rid of to get Ed Reed? He just retired after two years. Quinn. And Glover what was the record Quinn. in 2012? And what was the record in 2013? Yeah, I don't I'm think. With, I, I'm a general on this one. I think it was Ed Reed. Make it, that was a tremendous mistake. It was a mistake. I'll never forget. There's Aaron no Wilson, it was who works mistake. with me, I'm covered just, the Ravens for the Baltimore yeah. Sun. And when they made that move, he said, Ed has a knack for going off on his own and getting surgery. Keep an eye out. Then he went out and got hip surgery without Th- Things him. I don't do. Go off on my own and have <laughs> surgery. Hey, honey, I'm not going to tell you this, but uh, I'm having surgery. General, what do you have going on in the Houston Chronicle? I'm doing a big story on Sunday about Deshaun Watson, and they showed him film as a rookie of a lot of mobile quarterbacks. And the one they really focused on was Aaron Rodgers and what he wants to do with Rodgers while he's there. Uh, Aaron Wilson and I will have stories every day. And uh, we have things on Texas Sports Nation, HoustonChronicle.com, Cron.com. And thank you guys very much. Thank you, John McClain. Talk to you in the morning. Yes, we'll talk to you in the morning. Inside. It's a day, but we'll be inside, inside at NRG Stadium in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Now, Jeff Van Gundy is going to join us out here on the field at 920. He's a Texans season ticket member. And also, he's on the board. He helps out a lot with ProVision, that school in Sunnyside that is so awesome. We have a special announcement to make with Jeff, and you know we're going to ask him about the Texans. We'll ask him about Russell Westbrook and anything else we can think of. We could have him on for about three hours, but I don't think he would approve of that. Anyway, next up, linebackers, the position group breakdown. Rapid fire. Who are these guys? We'll tell you next. It's Texans Training Camp Live. Training Camp Live. Training Camp Live. Now back to Texans Training Camp Live. Presented by Academy Sports and Outdoors, Geico, and by Papa John's Houston. Full pads today. Day 7, training camp, Texans training camp live. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you as the team will be out here on the field in just a moment. They are activating inside the practice bubble, and we're looking forward to seeing them do their thing. Jeff Van Gundy is going to join us in the next segment. 
special announcement about something that you're going to want to stay tuned for, and we'll get his <laughs> opinions on a variety of things. Something. Something. I, I'm, I'm, you I'm can't not, say more because I'm then not going to get into give it details. Away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't prepared a proper tease for that, so that's all uh, I'll say about that something. right now. But right now, it's time to break down a position group. We do it every day, and today it's linebackers. Let's do this. Let's go. Let's go inside and outside. Inside and outside. All right, let's start with the pro bowler, the man in the middle, Bernardrick McKinney. I mean, he's the truth. I mean, he's the captain. He's the guy that communicates back and front. Uh, he he does everything. I, I I felt like when he got named to the Pro Bowl last year, there was a lot of there was a lot of talk. Oh, Darius Leonard didn't go to the Pro Bowl, and, all and it was partly how Darius Leonard is labeled as an outside linebacker. So it's it's weird. But anyways, there was a lot of talk about that. The very next game was the Jets game. BMAC was phenomenal in that game. I talked to him afterwards, and I said, I don't know that I've seen you play a better game. So it was like, he, I know he didn't listen or take in all of that, uh, the, the criticism, but it almost felt like he did, like it motivated him. He's the guy you got to have on the field. And I'll tell you the one thing. When he came here in 15, what was the one thing that people said he couldn't do? He couldn't cover. cover. His coverage has gotten so much better. You don't want him matched up on James White all the time. You don't want him matched up. On, but he had a great play against Philadelphia. He had a great day the other day in training camp. Practice not going to pass away. His coverage has gotten so much better. To be fair, it's hard for anybody to match up with James no, White. I'm, but Ardrick McKinney, the first guy. Well, what about Zach Cunningham, who wears number 41? And I still do double takes. 41 should be a safety. or so. It's Zach Cunningham, inside linebacker, and he's good. I love him. I, I love everything that he can do on a field. And if you think about two of the biggest defensive plays last year against two of our biggest rivals on two of the biggest nights, third and one stop in overtime on Zeke Elliott, Zach Cunningham. Fourth and one stop down on the goal line against Tennessee, Zach Cunningham completely stones Luke Stocker. Those were Zach Cunningham plays that a lot of people didn't think he could make. Oh, he'll be a run and hit guy. He'll run. He'll do a lot of things. He stuffed two guys, 225 pounds plus, one-on-one, -on -one, in two huge moments. He can do anything on a football field. His Madden rating of 76 is a complete joke. Zach Cunningham, to me, is a complete and total dude. And if he plays 16 games this year, he'll show that to everybody. Also inside year three already, Missouri State product Dylan Cole undrafted. Told me he could run a 4-3-8. Wow. That was unofficial. And that's the Dang. key to his game. He can fly. So what he does is having a guy like Dylan Cole allows you to do some different things scheme-wise. Maybe you want to have all three linebackers on the field at once. Maybe you want to change things up a little bit. Maybe you want to play a team that you've played a bunch, a division team, maybe the Patriots, and you want to show them a different look. You can show a 4-3 base look if you want with those three linebackers playing Dylan Cole at the will spot. He can fly. He's smart. He told me a story after week one last year on Tom Brady. And, Mark, I didn't think anybody could really ever decipher Brady. Dylan Cole had multiple plays where he looked at Brady listened to Brady and knew exactly where the ball was going. Knew exactly what was happening. Dylan Cole is as smart as he is fast. I love that guy. Love those three inside linebackers. All right, Peter Kalambai can go inside, outside. Yes. He's versatile. So what about him entering year two? Well, he's thick. And he's and you said it, he's versatile. Yesterday he made a great play from an inside linebacker position, but he kind of moves outside on goal line. He made a great play on Demario Crockett. He's got versatility and you know. But we've gotten to that point now. And also with Dylan too, Special teams are huge, and Peter's a great, great piece on special teams. He's coachable, he's smart, he's intelligent, he knows his role. He wants to impact the team as much as he possibly can. 
But Peter Kalambay, he's a dude. I, I love having him on this team. He knows his role. He's going to be a key factor. Johnny, who else inside is catching your eye? Because Tyrell Adams, we talked to him in the offseason. Really interesting guy. They just got B.J. Bellow. And I like what I'm seeing when you look at number 56, Xavier Woodson Luster. He's caught the eye of a lot of the media folk. Yeah, he's he's a guy that, you know, Xavier can run. He's 6'1", 220. He's not big. But he can he can fly. And I think that's a big part of his game. Terrell Adams is a guy from West Georgia. Special teams last year, one of the bigger plays was against the Buffalo Bills. When he blocked a punt, got recovered by Brennan Scarlett. So from that perspective, those guys add things on special teams. I'm curious to see what Woodson Luster brings in coverage in particular against the Packers because that's got to be his calling card. At 220 pounds, he's not going to be a guy that just stuffs gaps and stops the run, but he's going to be a guy that flies to the football and can do things in coverage. All right, let's go outside now. Let's do it. All right, Whitney, merciless. It's a big year for Whit, but if the offseason's any indication, he was great in OTAs and minicamps. I just see him working against the, the tackles, and there's so many different things that I know that he wants to unveil but he'll probably wait. I think it's going to be a good week for him in Green Bay, going against David Bakhtiari uh, and Brian Balaga up in Green Bay. So I'm excited for Witt. I'm excited for this year. He's not contract year. Everybody knows that. And they, some will say, well, you know, Kareem is not a contract year, and he blew Whitney doesn't – he's not driven that way. He's driven to succeed no matter what. But this is going to be a big year for him in this defense, and I, I think he's going to have an opportunity to ball out as long as he's healthy. Brennan Scarlett already in his fourth year, fourth year. out of Stanford. Another what? undrafted guy. Remember when we did those 15 guys that were at training camp from mm-hmm. the 83 that are here from 2016? He's one of them. Right. He's one of those guys. So he's found a way to, to stick around. He did it last year to start on special teams. He'd sprint on special teams. You could tell that there was, I don't know, joy is not the right word, but he wanted to be on special. He wanted mm-hmm. to impact his team. And that led to reps on defense at inside linebacker. That led to reps at outside linebacker. That led to the pick against Washington. He's indispensable in that way because he's a Swiss Army knife. Hey, what do you need? You need somebody to rush? He played three technique at Stanford. Three technique and rushed from in there. So he can do a lot of different things for this team. I think his pass rush acumen is not quite where you'd like it to be, but I think he can get there and he continues to work on it. He's got some skills. And so I think I think Brent Scarlett's a key guy you got to have in this linebacking court. Have to. We broke down the D line yesterday, and Jadeveon Clowney. We put him in there, and we're also going to put him in here in linebackers because he plays in the front seven wherever he wants, really. Linebacker, inside, outside, three technique, stand up, a gap, mugger, whatever you want to call it. He's. I mean, look, we've all seen what JD does. Mm-hmm. Just can't wait to get him back. I mean, it's not as if I don't want to talk about him, but I know we got a few other guys to talk about. And I can I can blaze through saying that the players got it wrong. At number sixty-three, JD's an animal, and he's he's wherever you want to play him. All right, he's some, good. Some of the guys fans might not know much about. We've been talking about them, but they're gonna play a lot in these preseason games. So you get a look at some of these players, like Davin Bellamy, yeah. who was around last year out of Georgia. Good pass rusher there, six five, two sixty. Yeah, he's worked on his pass rush game. It's clear you can see it. He's been working with Chuck Smith, pass rush specialist, and he was working with Chuck a little bit. Chuck has worked with Yannick Ngakwe, and it was funny because I saw Davin use a move the other day, and I was like. Yo, what do you call that? Where'd you get that? He goes, yeah, I've been working with Chuck. He's been working for a few years. And so that part of his game is pretty good, but it's the all-round stuff. He's got to be able to set the edge a little bit better. He's got to be a little more disciplined on the edge, you know, not jumping snaps, things like that. Davin Bellamy's got, Davin Bellamy's got a lot of talent. It's got to show up playing and play out. All right, Jamal Davis has been making plays. Rookie from Akron, a zip. He transferred from Pitt, right? 6'4", 240. Uh, sh- oh, don't talk about him. 
Got one. Keep him a secret. Oh, Next really? Question. Okay. Next right. question. That means that he's good, Next and question. we don't want anybody to know about it who might want to try to pick him up. Yeah. Chris Landrum, fourth year out of Jacksonville State. Have you noticed him? Where's number 42 out here? The fans are here. They'll get a look at him. Yeah, he's he was a guy that got first-team reps at times in OTAs because you didn't have JD. Um, and I think Scarlett was banged up a little bit, still rehabbing from something, I believe. And so Landrum got some first-team reps at times, and you know, he's got some he's got some quickness off the edge. Not the biggest guy as an outside linebacker. Not 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 real big. And so setting the edge is is a key thing that he's got to be able to do a little bit better. But mm-hmm. he get back to the quarterback. And look, I've I've talked to many people around this league, and the one thing they always tell you is you can't have enough pass rusher. So if he can get to the quarterback, he proves that in Green Bay. He's gonna be a guy that's gonna be on a lot of people's radar screens, in particular the Texans personnel staff. Who did I forget in this group? I'm looking, I'm looking. I think we got them all. We got them all. All right. Those are the linebackers. We did, we did it. I did that in record time. You did? No, and it's I, good. I did that in record time. It's good. But, you know, it's it's really rapid fire. Yes. We're breaking down these linebackers. People want to hear about them. I love it. Okay. Now, Jeff Van Gundy is in the house. And the, by the house, I mean the Houston Methodist Training Center. So we're going to flip the segments here, break early, and catch up. Former head coach of the Rockets, Knicks, and, of course, analyst for ESPN ABC, the NBA nationally, and also on the board of ProVision. We will talk to him next. It's Texans Training Camp Live. Don't miss a moment of your Houston Texans 365 days a year. Download the Houston Texans mobile app. Mark Madden John Harris with you on the field. Houston Methodist Training Center as it's Texans Training Camp Live. And you never know who's going to show up. Well, we did know he was going to show up, and we're grateful that he's here. It's Jeff Van Gundy, Houstonian Jeff Van Gundy. How's it going, Jeff? 16 years here. It's amazing how fast it goes. And uh, um, just so happy to be here with you guys and being able to see the Texans up close is pretty special. Well, you get in the coaching world, 16 years in any place, and I know you're not coaching right now, but you get in the coaching world, you don't stay any place for three, four, five years in certain cases. So is this home? Oh, it's absolutely. And I think what influences that is obviously family. But when you find a place that you feel really comfortable with and your and your children and your, your wife like, you stay. And so um, I've been so blessed to have found my way to Texas. And like you guys said, it feels like it is home. Do you feel like if you coached again what you've learned as an announcer, meeting with all these coaches and, and traveling everywhere and getting sort of an inside scoop on these organizations, would that help you now? Well, I think anytime you're exposed to uh, watching different people, how they do it, um, you definitely learn. But I don't think you learn to do something better by not doing it. So I think <laughs> if you if you want to be a great coach, you coach and you coach and you coach, and which I did up until you know i left the rockets and now going back and coaching uh for usa basketball that is really where you learn it's like in broadcasting you didn't learn how to broadcast by getting reps in some other profession you learned to broadcast by doing that and i think the same way with me like coaching you get better doing it broadcasting you get better doing it or you try to get better doing it and so i've just been fortunate to have great mentors uh, both in coaching and in broadcasting that have taken uh, great care to try to help my career. And I think sometimes when you do what we all do, thinking that you get there by yourself is foolish. Jeff, I've been asked this question a lot because people know that I've coached way, way back in the day, and I tell them, 
the coaching bug never really leaves you. It's just how much you actually suppress it. Is that coaching bug for you still somewhere within oh, you? And that's why I've coached with USA Basketball, John. I think, like you said, you can't replace the competition and camaraderie that come from being a part of a team. And it doesn't matter what, what role you play with that team. Right. But certainly when you're a head coach um, and every decision is magnified, uh, there's nothing like it. And, and so you're right. It never goes away. Uh, you're always going to miss what you don't have. And yet the life is, is great in broadcasting. I sometimes really miss having the result shape my mood, either good or bad. Really? Yeah, I, I do. Like the you, ups and the downs. Yes. You know, th- that's what I get out of being a fan, though, to some point. Like, I, I, you know, I always talk. I got my group there in mm-hmm. uh, Section 110, Row 16, right? So right. we're there and <laughs> living and dying on every play. And, by the way, not knowing one thing that's going on. Like, why? <laughs> like, just yelling and screaming. Everything's a, uh, a penalty. But um, I, I love that part like, where, where you're deeply invested and that's what I love about being a season ticket holder. It doesn't replace, obviously, coaching, but it does give you a different feel, you know, walking into and walking out of a game. Jeff Van Gundy with us. What about this team? What about Watson, the way things went last year, and your thoughts on what might happen this season? You know, I know nothing, but I care <laughs> deeply. And so I, I was – I said in the spring on a playoff game, if we got – I told Mark Jackson on, on the air, Two offensive linemen, two defensive ba- uh, defensive backs. We're going to win the Super Bowl. And he was like, "You're crazy." I'm, t- I'm not. Like, we have a special quarterback. I think we can have a special defense. I think Lamar Miller is going to have a great year. Health is everything, obviously. But I think we have a special team. I know Indianapolis is the trendy pick. Yeah. I think we're winning it again. Coach, you're not on Twitter, as you told us as you walked up here. That made Twitter. <laughs> that made Twitter. Yeah, that made Twitter and Twitter. Not went that into, we're going to do anything yeah, about Yeah, not that it. we're going to do anything about it, but no. it, made, it made Twitter. There were some people that were like, did you hear what Frank Gundy yeah. said on it? We were like, yeah, tend to agree with you. Well, like, I, I don't know how you, you get a quarterback hit less, mm-hmm. you, right, other than having a good line. I'm not, or like whatever you do. I, I love Bill O'Brien, so I, I love everything about what he stands for, but I just want that guy to – like not get hit as much be upright not get hit as much is that on him i don't know football should he get rid of it quicker some or well a little bit it's just like with everything else you know when you see when you see a a star in basketball not have a great game sometimes it's not always about him sometimes the defense is doing some different things to him sometimes he's had an off night sometimes teammates aren't getting him involved it's kind of a combination of all things but it's a great question to ask because i think automatically you go offensive line coach i went back and watched every sack you know about two weeks ago watched every single one I put about 50 to 55% of the offensive line. The rest of them, there's a lot of different things that go into it. But you're right. The offensive line had to get better. But, see, that's interesting because, for me, when you're sitting up in my seats, I don't have a clue. Just like the other people around me have no clue. We, right. we just want a good result. But right. it, it's such an intricate game with 11 people that you really don't know when watching whose responsibility right. it is. It, it's funny. I love watching you on television. I think you do a tremendous job, and uh, I'm not pandering here. I really do believe that. I appreciate I, I've, that. I've always felt that way, and it's interesting to me, after you play or coach, what your passion might be, and, and you have that for broadcasting, and I want to transition that into a, a man who played in the NFL, and his passion is Provision. Roynell Young 
and and being with that school and and being at the helm of that school and all it means and i know you're here you're on the board right i'm on the board i've been on about nine or ten years now right and it's a tremendous school in sunnyside and actually the winner of the texans care contest presented by chevron a grand prize of ten thousand dollars a donation going that way of provision very cool stuff and i know the school does such great work right we're we serve the most underserved children in our community sunnyside obviously uh is in some it's a it's a difficult situation for some of those for most of those children there and when you have a provision a charter school there that's not just a school we have an urban farm we have mentorship programs we have internship programs and like you mentioned roy nell young has done this his whole adult life after leaving the philadelphia eagles he has spent the next 30 near 30 years achieving this uh for the children of houston uh, it is a story that should be publicized, talked about, because he has made such an impact. And the Texans, by running this Texans Care contest, mm-hmm. our children have such pride. Our students have had such pride in winning this. They'll be here today at practice. Uh, I can't believe when I moved here the philanthropic nature of the Houston community at large. And then the Texans and Chevron, who sponsored this contest, they're such giving people and ten thousand dollars for our community our school it goes so far and roy now makes sure we're great stewards of every dollar that comes into provision coach i've heard you just now and i've heard you talk about provision i've heard you talk about this school i sense the passion that you talk about you know a matchup zone i mean you have a passion for it just as much as you have for basketball why is that what is it that and what drives that passion for you to be involved you know my house is seven miles from provision and it could it's seven million miles from my experiences uh the poverty uh the the children who have to deal with parents that are incarcerated and have to move on a consistent basis just the chaos that they navigate on a daily basis and are able to become such productive with the help of the the school such productive members of our community um, I'm so proud to be associated, and really my passion. I wish I could say when I was the head coach of the Rockets, I was involved in all these things. Sure. Unfortunately, it took me getting fired uh, to find my passion. This is why I have such respect for organizations and players and coaches who, while they're in the midst of their career, they're doing so much. I should have done more back when I was the coach of the Rockets. I regret that deeply. But like the Texans, their players, their coaches, uh, same with the Rockets, Astros, they all do so much for so many that are in need. Uh, there's a lot of need in our community, and our professional teams are rising to that challenge. I'm blown away by the staff at ProVision because Roy Nell can't do it all by himself, and these guys are tremendous. And the kids, it's yes, sir, yes, ma'am. They're so polite. They're all they're sharp. It's really great work being done. It is. It, I always go, when I take people out there, the thing I like the most is the urban farm. Here in this food desert of yeah. Sunnyside, we have this food desert and it's uh, this, this farm, but it's based on aquaponics, which is the using of fish to their excrement to fertilize. So we're not planting in the ground. We're planting in bed. So oh, wow. we can have a better uh, growing season. We can do it more rapidly. And so oh. we provide some food for the community we also are now selling it to places like heb benji's and and 
restaurants so that we make money and have a steady stream of some income. So it's, it's an amazing wow. thing that's going on there. And I always say, if I get somebody on campus out there, if I take somebody who's interested, and anybody who wants to go, I will give a tour to. When I get them on campus there, they're in. And that's what happened to me. I went out there. I met Roy Nell, and immediately when I heard his vision, I saw the kids and the campus and what they were trying to do, I was all in. Yeah, it's it's hard not to be. Yeah. That is a tremendous place. Jeff, Provision, winner of the grand prize of the Texans Care Contest presented by Chevron. There were other winners as well, but Provision, the grand prize winner. Mark, you mentioned that, and Coach, I think you said this, the kids are going to be out here today. What does it mean for them to come out here? and see the professional team and to see guys like J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson. What's that mean for that group? Well, sometimes, again, we can become jaded like myself. I bring my kids out here. Oh, yeah, I saw the Texans, right? Because they have these opportunities, right? Well, when you give opportunity to children and students and people that haven't experienced that same opportunity, their eyes get widened to what they can accomplish. It may not be, obviously, being a professional player, but they're meeting, they're seeing, like, I ran into good friend Greg Grissom who, you know, here. Why not one of the ProVision students being the next Jamie Roots or Greg Mm -hmm. Grissom in the business side or being on the personnel side or in the media relations side? I just think when you open up their opportunities, they see what's out there and what they can accomplish. And I just think that's so important. And that's why we're so proud of our association with the Texans, right? Because they're givers. Like, this is an organization obviously that's based on results on the field but off the field they're just a giving type of organization and we're so proud to have been you know the named the winner of the texans care challenge well i think there's more on the way so uh, stay tuned we'll let you know here through our texans media channels jeff van gundy with us we cannot let you go without a couple of basketball yeah. questions. so russell westbrook joins the rockets this is really fun stuff well, I'm, I was a big Chris Paul fan and, and, mm-hmm. and remain. I think we could be making a mistake saying, I know everybody says it's a huge upgrade. You're overlooking Chris Paul, his greatness. Okay. And they were, prior to Paul's injury, they were 24 minutes away, not from going to the finals, but from winning the championship, right? And that was just two years ago. Last year, a rocky start, then they came back, and still the only team they couldn't beat was the loaded-up Warriors, right? So now everything opens up. I think they would have had a great team if they had kept Paul, but they make the big move. And I think it's funny because a lot of people predict it's either going to work with Westbrook and Harden or it's not going to work. And I'm an, I just like to watch. I can't yeah. wait to see how it <laughs> unfolds. I do think, and I don't know if this is in every sport, but in basketball, particularly with star players, you've got to get them at the right time in their careers where they're willing to sacrifice not only with each other but for the betterment of the team. A lot of people in pro basketball talk about all I care about is winning, but what they leave off is the dot, 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 (laughs) if I get my own way, (laughs) right? right? In this case, star players, if you really want to win, you can't have agendas other than winning. And if you can get to that point, and, and hopefully Harden is at that point, Westbrook's at that point, I think they have enough around them that they can compete with anybody. Last year, Jeff, we talked about this this Texas team. The chemistry in the locker room was outstanding. In an NBA locker room, how valuable would you say chemistry is? Because that's been a concern. You know, with, with Chris and with James, there's some like, oh, maybe the chemistry was off. You hear that word a lot. How much of a factor do you think that is with not only this team but with all NBA teams? Well, don't you think it's so hard to define chemistry, what right. it really is? 
Exactly. But you do know what it is when you see it, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not always getting along. It's how you play together. Now, I've had teams that necessarily, you know, people always say, oh, they're cliques. Well, they're adults. Certain guys are going to like certain guys and just hang out. But it's all about what they do on the field or on the floor. And I think what I'm going to be interested in is it's not how they play together, Westbrook and Durant. It's how they, the whole group plays together. And I think it's about on the floor, and it really comes down to do you willingly share the ball right. and will you try on every possession on defense? If you do those t- two things, you try like heck on defense and you pass the ball willingly, you'll have good chemistry. I knew he was going to throw defense in there. I knew it. Okay, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations on winning the contest with ProVision, and we look forward to seeing you on television soon enough. Yeah, hopefully it's going to be a great Texans year, and I'll see you guys out at the NRG. All right, season ticket member Jeff Van Gundy joining us on Texans Radio. Coming up, Landry's questions of the day, and some of them involve what's happening today on the field we will share you some of the late breaking semi news i guess you could call it maybe even just hard news we will share it with you and we'll continue the program till 10 when in the loop takes over from the houston methodist trading center it's texans training camp live it's texans training camp live it's texans training they're back in action and you're right there with them it's texans training camp live That was a good visit with Jeff Van Gundy here on the field at the Houston Methodist Training Center, Texans Training Camp Live. Day seven of practice. They started one week ago today, and they'll play one week from tonight at Green Bay. You'll hear it right here live. You can watch it on ABC 13, stream it on the app. So it's all going to be good. You can catch it any which way you can. Joining us right now is Landry Locker with his questions of the day. Landry, what do you got? Guys, you just had Jeff Van Gundy on. Mm -hmm. And one of the most viral moments of Jeff Van Gundy's career is when his New York Knicks were facing the Miami Heat in the playoffs. And he jumped on the leg of a Miami player when his team was in a scrum. On this Texans coaching staff, and we're excluding Brian Cushing from the discussion. On this Texans coaching staff, (laughs) if there was a scrum... Who would the coaches that would be most likely to be grabbing onto the other team's legs? Ooh, you know, Andre Johnson, when he mixed it up with Cortland Finnegan, that came out of nowhere to onlookers because Andre's so, he's intense on the field, he makes plays, but he was so quiet. And then all of a sudden he's wailing on Cortland Finnegan, and that's how it felt. It felt sort of all of a sudden-ish. John. I got one. John Perry. Oh, really? John Perry. He's got an arm, by the way. That's oh, yeah. something Johnny's nobody's talking about. We have nobody's talking about. John no. Perry, Sean Pendergast has brought Listen. this to my attention. That dude's got a gun. John yeah. Perry was a heck of a college football player, man. Heck that of a UH. player. And his brother, his brother James, his younger brother James, was an uh, All-American quarterback at my university and is now the coach at, my, at Brown University, his alma mater. So John, John and I talk about it. His son, John, plays quarterback at, uh, at Clements, starting quarterback at Clements going into his senior year. So, yeah, he, Perry family, and there are a lot of them. But they're some really good athletes. In fact, you remember the Clemson game? Uh, what, what was it? Early in the season, Boston College played Clemson early in the season. Boston College's quarterback went down in the first series. The guy that came in, E.J. Perry, that's John's nephew. Okay. Talented, wow. talented family. But I'd say John Perry. Good John Perry. Thought. Yeah, I'm going to say Andre Johnson. If I have to eliminate Cushing, because that would be the guy, obviously, <laughs> I'll say Andre Johnson is the one. So. It's funny because I thought you were going to go the direction of you know, those Heat Knicks 
series were so intense. They were. Those games were great. They're always fun. You know, Knicks and Pacers back in the day as well. And then I thought you were going to say, like, basketball. what's the scrappiest Texans rival? And it's clearly the Titans. I just mentioned Finnegan, Mario Williams at 09, mm-hmm. ending up in the bench area. Clowney Ooh. last year picking up a 15-yard penalty on the bench. My gosh. While he's not even playing, hurting the Texans' chances to win. So I, the Titans are clearly the scrappiest rival and oh. the most natural rival. Oh, yeah. And here's one that Sean Pendergast can, appro- can uh, attend to, attest to. Kyle Vandenbosch and Joel Dreesen. That was a oh, long-held yeah. one. That one went back. Dreesen, yeah. Dreesen got him one time. Vandenbosch spent like two years trying to get him back. What about Mawai and Skinina mixing it up? And Mawai was just really hard to deal with. Really hard to deal with for anybody. Titans, Texas, for, for sure. Yeah. All right. All right. We're a month away. I can't believe I'm even saying this. I'm going to get John. I know you're going to be very excited about this. We're a month away from the first college football Saturday of the season. Like, it's, it's, it's going to happen in a month. You know, that, that sounds longer than it should be. You it, always say this. Yeah, I, I feel like when you just said it, I was like, really? It's that long it's still? Because uh, I feel like we've time. been at this for kind of like a while, and I see the Canes are in camp and a number of other teams, and I'm like, let's go. Anyway, go on. What's the best way to consume college football the day before you guys have to broadcast a Texans game? Oh, great question. Well, are we traveling or are we at home? No, we're, we're traveling. Home. Oh, at home? At home. Oh. You're at home. John, you're at home. Okay. Vandy, you're I, I, on the road. I got okay. this. I've got. Th- I I have I have mastered the DVR concept and the I have PlayStation View. I can split my screen four ways, so I can watch four games. The other way I can do it is on my DVR. I can go ten seconds ahead on a play. You used to not be able to on the on the one that I had. You only go thirty seconds. Well, spread offenses and up tempo offenses go faster in thirty seconds. So I can go ten seconds play. I can get caught up on three games by halftime, and get to all, all at the live to the live point at halftime. Can you imagine watching college three football games. at John Harris's house? This I mean, it's, like NASA in there. I mean, it's it's it frenetic. Might be a little too intense. Okay, man. we got we there's got, like too many things. We got a red on. zone situation in Akron. Okay, we're going to the Mac. Let's go. <laughs> now, when we're we're traveling, when we're traveling, that's a little, that's a little different story because we dep- well, it depends on what plane we take. But when we go out at night, we go find a place where we can watch some games. Yeah, Mark and I always go out. It's, to eat, it's so. really it's really pretty cool. We find a, a sports bar type of place. You know, we get a couple of screens and eat and watch and talk about what's going on and talk about the game the next day and. That is a really fun part of this yep. job when you're on the road like that. Like, I hope no one at home is listening to know that that is just joyous to yeah, be there. That's fun. No, it's all work, actually. We're just grinding, studying. You know, I've done all that by that point. It's, right. it's so much fun. All right, Vandermeer, you've been the voice of the Texans uh, since, since they began. Since the franchise began, you were, you're the voice of the Texans. But before that, you were the voice of the Miami Hurricanes and one of the best college football teams we've ever seen in the early 2000s. I'm going to give you the opportunity to take three players from that team and put them in their prime on the Houston Texans in 2019. Who you picking? And you can't pick Andre. You can't pick no, Andre. I know, but one of them we, we had other than Andre, and that would be Ed Reed. But I don't want the Ed yeah. Reed we got. I in want the Ed prime. Reed from like in their prime. 70 years before that. You get to add them that. to this roster. In their prime. Who adding? All right. It's funny because... You know, the corners on that team. All right, so listen, we had Philip Buchanan as well. Yeah. When <laughs> what should have been his prime, and that didn't work, okay? Mike Rumpf played for the 49ers. Not a great corner, but, you know, he in college was obviously really good. I mean, they were loaded with NFL players. So I'll say Reed, and I'll say, Johnny, where am I going here? I know, look, I'll help you out with this. This was right at the tail end. 
I'm, he I was a freshman in 2001, backs. and he played safety. I would John play Taylor. John Taylor. Sean right, Taylor. Right, 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 right. Because right, right. I forget about him. That because he was. I not, would play him in corner. Much on I know that it's team. crazy. I know it's crazy. You play him in corner. Well, in, maybe on this team just to get him the right fit. That might be a guy play corner. I mean, he's the best safety. Ever. He's the best defensive player I've ever seen. I, mean, I saw him playing in high school. He's the greatest high school player I've ever seen, and I've seen a lot of them. He was unbelievable. Look, I feel pretty good. Incredible. I feel good about our tight end situation. But you know, are you going to go? You know, with one of the tight ends, are you going to go Jeremy Shockey or somebody like that? Ooh, I blend the years. Like if I if I'm I'd want Shockey to... over Winslow, I'd want Shockey over Winslow. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, and look at the pro, the pro careers they mm-hmm. had, right? So I'd probably go there. There's no line. Well, Bernardrick McKinney. I mean, no, he's our linebacker. Yeah. Who am I thinking about? I'm thinking of. Um, oh, I know, I know where you're going. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, uh, what, who am I thinking of? The uh, offensive lineman, McKinney. McKinney. Yes. Oh, Bryant McKinney. Bryant McKinney. Thank yes, you. Bryant Jeez. McKinney. I, yeah. I just had a moment here. Well, it's yeah. 95 degrees, and I'm okay. allowed to. Yeah, so Brian McKinney. McKinney. No, I, I'm going Brian McKinney. Could I interest you in Frank Gore, Willis McGahee, yeah, I know. or Glenn Portis? Good. That'd be good. Any of those three? Uh, we already got a Miami running back. We do. We can add more to. We add more to it. You know, of those three, which one would you pick? Because I'm mad at Ed Reed for what he did here. I'll go Taylor, McKinney, Portis. Done. Yeah, I think that's that's the best three yeah. you get out of that God, that team. I mean, it's it's amazing to look at. I mean, you could. Say, I mean, they had some linebackers who, like Dan Morgan, was a heck of a player, but you just don't need linebackers. Vilma. Morgan I mean, was gone. Vilma. Morgan I mean, was gone by then, though. That's the problem. Yeah, Vilma, Morgan, yeah. Vilma was really good. Yeah, Sean Taylor really on this defense. <laughs> Unfair. You're do a lucky anything. guy, Mark. You could do anything. You're a lucky guy. Uh, that that was that Did was fun. Did they give you jewelry too? Did you get the bling? Yeah, I got it. I got the bling. Wow. I got the bling. The respect level for Mark Vandermeer and Landry Alaker's eyes just went up like ten. Now I already knew this. Did they ever take you on the yacht during the illegal recruiting? <laughs> no, trips? no. I never. I never went. <laughs> never but, I, but I will. Never I will far. say this. I once <laughs> emceed a basketball <laughs> banquet where I got a little note that said, "Please thank Nevin Shapiro for whatever he did." Did you do it? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, all right, whatever. Who, whoever this guy you is, need to be you know? investigated, Bandy. Charles Robinson called Mark Vandermeer a few years ago. <laughs> hey, no. so tell us nope. about this basketball banquet. Nope, 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 nope. I'll tell you. Well, you know, since you brought it up, you know, I was lucky enough to do the baseball championship at one as well, and that was the 40, Alex Cora. 40, 42-game winning streak that the Canes had between baseball, football, and basketball started at 14-0. So That's I broadcast amazing. 42 games in a row without a loss. Wow. And and I think, you know, with Joe Zagaki, who's still there, and I think that that's a record that, you know, we have nothing to do with, but I don't think it'll ever be broken. What is the trip you guys are looking most forward to this year? We're not going to count Green Bay. What is the trip? Because you guys go, so, and we're going to exclude the division, so we're mm-hmm. not going to say okay. the division because you get familiar with that. But of all the places, the road games that the Texans have, what trip are John Harris and Mark Vandermeer looking most forward to? This one's easy. London? I was I wasn't as thrilled about the London trip early on, like anyway, whatever. Right. But I I'm I'm pumped. I, I'm pumped about the London trip. I'm hoping to squeeze in a Man City game. I might have to take the train up there to see Man City. I think they take on Southampton uh, in Premier League that week. So that would be incredible Ooh. if I got a Man City game in. If I could go to the Etihad and watch Man City, and then see us beat the Jags. So like shut it down. That's the best weekend I could have. I'm not going to poo-poo the London trip. I think that's going to be great. But, you know, in the grind of a season, it's just tough. It's just a tough trip, right? Mexico City was a tough that trip. Was a You're in the grind of a season. Yeah. And it was part of a three-game losing streak for this team at a bad time. Of, there's never a good time for a three-game losing streak. But it was a really bad time because they were 6-3. and three, They went 6-6. Six and six, yep. And then they got it going and won the division. And that was a, a great save by them at the time. 
But I'm looking forward to Kansas City. I love going to Arrowhead. We haven't been there in the regular season in a long time, and that is going to be a madhouse with Mahomes and Watson. Yep. It's going to be huge. I'm going to go to, I think it's Jack Stack the night before, get the oh, burnt, ends, burnt ends, and the next day take in the game and call it. And I just hate the booth terribly there. It's an awful booth hey. with closed windows. You're just lucky to be there, Vandy. Lucky to be there, though. I'm not going to be Very lucky to be there. Yeah. But you're, you're fortunate. Is there barbecue whining? as good as everyone says? Their barbecue's no, legit, the barbecue's but I'm not sure you here. can't see barbecue for here. Barbecue's better no here, way. but it's really good there. Yeah, I mean, it's it, good doesn't, there. it doesn't mean it sucks. See, yeah. When people have the barbecue debate, you're not saying the barbecue somewhere else sucks. You're just saying yours is better. Right. It's like, who's a better quarterback, Brady or Rogers? Right. You know, you're not saying the other guy sucks, whoever guy you take, right? You'll take either one. Yeah, the barbecue's Although good. I'll take the barbecue here every yeah, time. Yeah, the barbecue yeah. here is off the charts. I'm yeah. about to provide Texans players with some bulletin board material. One okay. of the most entertaining things you guys do at HoustonTexans.com is the, is the walk with John Harris and players. However, there might be some beef if you answer this question honestly. Okay. You played some college football in your day. You were a safety. Yes. At your most athletic, right. what players on the current Texans roster could you have beaten in a race? None. None. At your most you, athletic. You could have beaten John Weeks in a race. No, none. Really? No. I John was, Weeks. No, I was, Sorry, so not, I was so not athletic. I was the proverbial smart, willing to give up his Lunch body. Lunchpail guy. Lunchpail guy. Yeah, I was the glue guy. I was the glue guy. I was always the glue guy. I was never fast guy. Wait, why did you ask me this question? I mean. Could I, you have, Vandy? Oh, no. I, could, I might be able to beat, like, I think uh, Mike a Devlin in a, in a 40. You got a shot Weeks. Maybe, no, no. Right? We, Weeks was all state as a D lineman in high school that, in Arizona. That's the thing. I mean, you bring up a great point, Landry. People sit on at, at home on TV and watch these guys and go, I can run faster than that guy. There was a great, I don't know, I can't remember who did. Oh, it was Katie Nolan. This guy tweets out, I could run a 4-4. I could run a 4-4. Like, do you know how fast a 4-4 is? So yeah. she went and found the guy. He ran a 5-5. Yeah. Like, seriously. Some right. of those you know, high school coaches are a, little, are a little slow with the thumb when they time you. A little bit. Just a little bit. A little bit. High school I mean, it, high school like, coaches are stopping at the 35 going, bang, and then you're still running. It's I like mean, when you're watching a knuckleballer. Like, I could throw faster than that. You know, yeah, no. just relax. No, no, just, no, no, no. just calm yourself down. No. Because These like, guys are at such a level that yeah. it's, no, even the linemen. I asked Chantrell Henderson yesterday, like, what was your fastest 40 time? He said, the combine, I ran five flat at 330 pounds or whatever it was. Like, that's, that should be legal. Yeah, yeah. That should be illegal. That's what they don't realize. These guys are ridiculous athletes. Just massive. Large and ridiculous. All right, I want to ask you guys this one before okay. I get out of here. All right, you only get to pick one because there's a lot of possibilities, but you get to, because we talked about football movies yesterday, you get right. to pick, and, and, and your goal is to generate the most revenue and have the most intriguing story. J.J. Watt is excluded from this discussion. Okay. You have to create a movie centered around an active Texans player. Who are you picking? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. We have some good stories here, though. I got one. I got one. A.J. Moore? D.J. Reader. Ooh. D.J. Reader in 2015. His dad had passed away. Oh, yeah. He stepped away from the team. It was like, why is he going to? They didn't know. And Dabo Sweeney was very nebulous about it. He just said, you know, DJ's not with the team yeah. right now. He ended up coming back, but it sort of set him back because he was he was gone for a while. So he really didn't get back in the lineup until like week four or week five and, and played pretty well. But he realized he wanted to be around a team. And then he's the last draft pick of the Texans in 2016. He's the fifth rounder. He's the last guy oh, taken. that's right, because they only have – He's, a, he's around Vince Wilfork the first couple of years, and he's turned into this guy. He played baseball at Clemson. I mean, he's 
He's a phenomenal, phenomenal story. I, DJ Reader. That, that's, that's one. That's, I mean, that's a good you one. You pick Hop, too. You know, with, this, with Hop's story when he was yeah. younger with his mother. I mean, there are a lot of them you could go with. I, DJ, I'll take, I'll take either one. And Vincent Smith. Vincent Smith's a good story. Now, it's not kind of hard scrabble like DJ, you know, with losing his father and all. But Vincent Smith's a great story, which we told on the 53, uh, which is up at HoustonTexas.com, which is brilliant. What do you have going on on In the Loop? Uh, we got a lot, man. Obviously, there was some big news yesterday in the MLB. The yep. Houston Astros made a trade. Jeff Luno's getting a lot of credit, but I think we need to we, we need to toast somebody else who people don't talk about enough. We're going to have a player straight off the practice field, and we're going to talk about the splashes all the teams in town have made. The biggest splash the Texans have made, obviously the draft day trade of Deshaun Watson. Now, just the recent ones that, that impact the landscape right mm-hmm. now. Right. Uh, we're obviously going to get into all those. There's so much going on. It's going to be a fun one, and we're lucky to have a good lead-in like you guys. Oh, thank you very much, sir. You know, I think that it's really worth bringing up splashes because I get it that the fans are thinking, oh, Greggy, now everybody make a move. Listen, Watson two years ago, that move was seismic to move up in the draft and take him at number 12 and what he's meant for this team, and you cannot take that for granted Number four is out there slinging it all offseason long to get ready for really the follow-up to his first full season. Let's see how it goes together. Now tonight on Texans All Access, we'll recap everything that happened at practice today. Johnny, what's one thing that you're going to be watching out for today? Give me a little nugget. Well, I think out in pads out here, I want to see how the offensive linemen hold up. Um, so Titus Howard's not practicing, by the way. Yeah, Titus Howard uh, in we shorts. Don't. But I want to see Max Sharping today a little bit. You know, uh, we talking a little bit earlier about – you know, I think John said, you know, Max Sharping doesn't move that way. He moves a little better than people think. You know, he, look, mm-hmm. he's not, you know, sweet feet dancer, but he moves a little bit better than people think, and he's strong as an ox. So I'm going to keep my eye on the rookie Max Sharping a little bit today. Okay, looking at that, I'm, I just want to see some of these matchups and see and hear the oohs and ahs of the crowd here at the Houston Methodist Training Center as Watson's doing one-on-ones right now, just threw a deep ball to DeAndre Hopkins, let him a bit too far, you know. Throwing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins in practice is That's just fun. cheating. It's unfair. It's cheating. J. Joe matched up on DeAndre on that particular one-on-one. Doing a little play-by-play of practice nice. on the way out. Yeah. Get you warmed up for next well, week. I love the deep ball that Watson throws, and he just threw a touchdown to Vincent Smith. Matched up with Justin Reed. That's good stuff right there. Threaded the needle. Okay. That's going to do it for Texas Training Camp Live, day seven of practice. Day eight of our shows will be on tomorrow from inside the building, the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. We'll have everything that uh, there is to talk about with practice. And then Monday and Tuesday from the field at Green Bay. Wednesday, we'll, we'll, we'll broadcast the show from Lambeau Field, the atrium there, I believe, as we'll scout a location. In the Loop is coming up next. Thank you, Jonesy, for producing. Thank you, Jeff Van Gundy, for being on. We'll podcast that out to you shortly and maybe play some best of that tonight as well. And have a great day, everyone. In the Loop next, go Texans.